Welcome to the latest episode of EG Like Sunday Morning, where I am once again joined by two of our best and brightest. News editor extraordinaire Pui Guan Man and making her fourth appearance in a row, offices reporter <laughs> Shante Bahitage. Shante, I, I think that must be a record. Really, is it? I'm yeah. very glad to be back. I'm very glad to be back. <laughs> um, OK, so we will we'll reward that persistence uh, and that, that attendance <laughs> record, which is w- worthy of a merit badge, uh, by starting with Shante. And, but this week, I'm not going to be asking you about uh, the state of the London office market. I think you've no. probably covered that uh, quite <laughs> extensively over the previous three episodes. But we do have a very different uh, and very important topic to discuss, uh, diversity and inclusion. And, and you've reported... Uh, this week on a fascinating interview that took place at a real estate balance event between mm-hmm. former BPF chief exec Liz Peace and uh, Crown Estate chief exec Dan Labad. Uh, so tell us more about that. Yes, yeah, so it was actually a really, really interesting evening. Um, so last week I attended Real Estate Balance's annual conference and the focus of all the conversations that were being had uh, that evening was DNI, and and Dan came up to speak about his personal experience and sort of candidly described how he woke up to the importance of fostering DNI um, as a corporate leader. And then he went on to to have a really interesting discussion uh, about what he thinks his peers should avoid um, and what they should be doing uh, in terms of DNI strategy. So yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, he sort of said that his own background kind of shaped his approach to identity and talked a bit about how uh, the Crown Estate has has worked to diversify its its workforces. And then he went on to talk a bit about his hope for what real estate's next gen do and, and to help further the cause as they kind of rise up the ranks and become leaders themselves. So um I think it probably makes sense. I mean, there was quite a lot covered over over the course of the evening because there was that conversation and there was also a panel discussion as well. So there was quite a lot going on. Um, but I think it probably makes sense to break down some of the topics a little bit um, hmm. for, for today's purposes. So we'll kind of cover the most salient parts of the conversation. But I would, I'd urge anyone listening who hasn't read the article to just give it the once over um, if you're intrigued about some of the things that I mentioned, because Dan, a lot of it is Dan speaking in his own words about the topic and I think he says some pertinent things that I can only paraphrase for you somewhat now mm. so it probably makes sense to, to check out what he said exactly but um, yeah he was kind of saying that as a leader you have to lead outright and that you've got to be the one who kind of puts yourself out there and like nails your colours to the mast so he then sort of talked about how it would be disingenuous um, to say that the Crown Estate has kind of hit the ceiling of what it can do for DNI, and that it's an ongoing process that they've got to to keep growing as part of as as everyone does he said yeah. in the commercial real estate industry because he said as an industry we still have a lot to improve so um yeah he said that the crown has a long way to go but that the events that sort of surrounded George Floyd's murder that that kind of sparked him as a leader and also some change within the organisation to happen um, and that that was kind of a catalyst which moved some of the fundamentals to the forefront um, of the C-suite kind of mind. Mm. So then he went on to kind of give peers some tips about how they can also um, address CNI in their organisations. 
Um, and it probably should be said that he was actually talking to a room full of CEOs and next gen um, <laughs> people from different organisations. So CEOs were encouraged to bring uh, someone younger from the organisation with them to come and listen to the event, which I thought was really nice. Um, but yeah, so he sort of said, tip number one, understand the data. He said everyone should be using data as a tool to kind of inform their decisions on DNI as much as possible. Um, and he said it's not just about gender. He said it's looking mm. at diversity as a whole. So diversity, inclusion and equity as a kind of holistic interrelated piece. So um, he said it's really important that business leaders don't just look at the data and look at the kind of overt culture, but that they try and look behind the data and understand what the hidden culture is around it. So he said that that tends to be something that leaders and, and CEOs overlook quite often because they'll just, you know, sort of scan through the data and fail to look at what's informing that data. So um, he also said holding each other accountable is really important. Um, he said rather than getting caught up in kind of celebrating different initiatives that are going on, which he said is really important, but um, he said it's it, that can sometimes lead to missing the overall message. He said, you've always got to be asking yourself, how are these initiatives moving the moving the agenda forwards? And is it helping to make enough of an impact quickly enough? Um, which I thought was really interesting. And then he said, which I, I'm going to quote him for this because I think it was really interesting what he said. But he said, if it's not, people have to be held accountable because if it was a financial issue, it would be held accountable. So why aren't we being held accountable on this subject? Hmm. So um, probably makes sense to explain a little bit about his background. So um, Dan was actually raised in a mixed Arabic and Australian household. So he said that influenced a lot of his passion for DNI when he was growing up. His father had quite a thick um, accent informed by his Arabic speaking. And he so when he was growing up in Australia in his early career, um, Dan sort of saw him being discriminated against for how he sounded. And so he said that for a long time, he kind of resented his father because he thought that he should be fighting a bit more for himself. And so that's kind of informed some of his decisions so that now he said whenever he feels imposter syndrome, he kind of fights through it because of watching his dad go through that discrimination, you know, decades prior. So he said that it's also really important, though, that if you are a leader who's who fits into the diverse category, not to just assume that your experience is the same as everybody else's because everyone's lived experience is different. Um, and then he kind of called on future leaders as well and sort of said that it's really important that young talent are flagging and addressing some of the systemic issues within organisations that are structured around seniority and also holding leaders to account. So he said that it's the it's the younger generation who are going to be the ones that are going to be brave enough to really call out issues when they see them and that they've got to feel a that they can do that and b leaders have to be aware that it's not a bad thing when that happens that actually that should be welcomed and it should be a positive thing um he said it's happened to him it shouldn't be frowned upon it's just part of learning and growing and furthering the agenda so yeah, he said, don't be scared. Don't be scared about being called out um, and having honest conversations that help further the conversation. It's really it's awesome to to hear, you know, and I hope like, you know, leaders in the industry have absorbed what he said and, and taken it mm. on. You know, I think um, I, I remember because I read this um, uh, the other day and, you know, he does. <laughs> 
it, you know, you have managed to capture the kind of soul searching and very personal journey that he has gone on to to sort of go um, through it all. So it's mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I would I would echo um, uh, what you said earlier. You know, it's a, it's a must read for anyone who's interested in in this issue. Sorry, I'll, I'll butt out now, but I just thought no, I would, uh, no, it's all, it was, chip in. No, no, it was a really interesting conversation to to listen to and feel like you're a part of just being in that room. And I know everyone who was listening to it was really taking it in it was one of those where you could tell people were really really interested and there was a lot of networking that happened afterwards as well and the discussion was carried on you could hear people were talking about it it sparked something that people wanted to you know talk about it with next gen and amongst themselves there were different leaders talking about it afterwards so it is an important discussion that's great that's so encouraging to hear yeah very much so and you know you're obviously you're 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 going out and about. You're seeing people. You're talking to people. You're going to events like 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 that one, Shante, mm-hmm. and like Mipim. What are your impressions of how things are, are changing and developing? I mean, what's your impression of DNI in in real estate? I think things are definitely changing. I think particularly um, in terms of gender. I think we are seeing slightly more. Balance. I think people are much more aware of DNI as an as you know as a concept, but also they're much more considerate of it within their organisations. Um, but I think what Dan was saying about understanding behind looking behind the data and just trying to understand a little bit more behind mm. the numbers is really important because I think now there's a lot more reporting on DNI. Companies do have you know statistics and lots of numbers um but i think on the ground and particularly when it comes to leadership roles which was really a, a large part of what this discussion was about um i think there's quite a way to go for the industry mm. in terms of dni i think that it's happening slowly from the bottom up but obviously it is going to take time for that agenda to kind of reach the top and so i think asking that question of is this doing enough and is it helping to move things further quickly enough is really important that the industry keeps holding itself to account and that you know I think it's important that boards are asking each other this I think it should also be a a top-down question not just you know new people asking and, and putting the questions out there to their bosses and their you know line managers and their CEOs I think it has to be that boards are also holding you know CEOs and senior leaders accountable but the progress is there. I think it's just it's slow progress, but I think that's also a that's not just a property problem. That is that is yeah. a problem in a lot of un- other industries. Uh, absolutely, and uh, it's, it's something that we will we've talked about many times uh, on EJLSM, and I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll continue to do so, unfortunately. And, <laughs> uh, um, but uh, elsewhere, the the headlines. Uh, you know, they, they they quite often tend to have a little bit of a gloomy aspect, Pui, um, at the moment. But uh, at least this 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 week, you've been writing uh, about a sector and uh, a company expressing uh, confidence in that sector in terms of urban logistics um, and uh, London Metric. So, uh, so talk us through that a little bit, and then perhaps. Uh, turn to some of the gloomier headlines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, I would, um, I would, yeah, not not the cheeriest <laughs> time, I don't think, for real estate at the moment, unfortunately. Um, so industrial logistics has 
had a pretty uh, rough go of it, um, like, you know, like many other sectors, bar perhaps uh, the, the living sector, you could argue, um, transactional activity has been um, hit by interest rates and the price corrections that are coming out of those um, rates rises. And that's on top of, you know, um, the sort of general softening of a market that we've been seeing, uh, you know, come off its peak uh, last year. And there could there could be more um, pain on the horizon. But um London Metric is still staunch about its stance on uh, logistics, particularly urban logistics, as it's um, it calls it its strongest conviction call. Um, and yeah, uh, he, you know, the argue was uh, the argument was put forward that the fundamentals are solid and that the uncertainty is going to pass eventually, like it has done in history um, and in previous uh, times of of uh, turmoil and and that rates will stabilize uh, at some point so uh, chief executive andrew jones uh, says that demand uh, on top of the ongoing sort of supply squeeze that we're seeing in the market is going to continue to boost um, those rental growth uh, dynamics and um, and, and indeed actually just um, today sorry uh, just at the end of this week uh, we saw uh, <laughs> stats from cbre uh, showing that two thirds of logistics occupiers want to expand their physical presences, even with, um, you know, this ongoing overall slowdown in economic, um, sorry, not economic, um, e-commerce uh, growth after the pandemic. Mm. So, um, so yeah, so and Andrew Jones was saying that, you know, liquidity is still there for, for last mile logistics and the logistics is still one of the very few asset classes uh, transacting. And I know we weren't going to um, talk too much about offices but just to drag <laughs> offices back in again <laughs> offices was flagged to be the most exposed along with some types of retail and and he did make the comment that you know outside of the west end offices is actually starting to attract comments made about shopping centers uh seven or eight years ago you know as as workers increasingly shun the office and occupiers reduce their office spaces so um so he had sort of pinpointed that as the biggest kind of danger zone. Um, and similarly, big format grocery as well. He says that its best days are behind them now. Um, and uh, again, no no shortage of punchy views, really, from, from Andrew Jones, where he says, you know, shortening leases are going to expose their values and, and even compared it to what was happening with the department stores when um, values were exposed to market dynamics and therefore started losing credit. So, um, so, so yeah, uh, all in all, urban logistics, still the still faith in that um, asset class, but others, uh, turb more turbulent uh, future awaits. And what else has been keeping you busy this week? Um, yeah, I mean, plenty going on in, in, in other news. Uh, so uh, speaking of Andrew Jones, his, his old digs, uh, British land, dropped out of the FTSE 100 this week mm. after 21 years in the blue chip index. And that is that is really a, a sign of sign of the times, isn't it? I mean, in, in recent weeks, it had told the market that it made um, a billion pound loss after values were dented by interest rates and I think its portfolio also fell by a billion to, to I think just off of nine billion now or 8.9 or something like that but um but yeah it, it's it's again back to this sort of slightly not as cheery um outlook so sorry about that um <laughs> and also 
Moody's has downgraded uh, the debt on Canary Wharf Group. And again, maybe Shantae is a much better place to tell you a bit more about that. But again, just a <laughs> sign of, of the pressure that the office sector is under. So, um, so yeah, and unfortunately, yeah, a bit of a gloomy picture, but um, there's nothing to be nothing to be done about that for now <laughs> until we know what interest rates are going to do and, and swap rates. Anything to add on that, Shantae? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously it was downgraded. Um, so it went from a BA1 to a BA3 um, in a move that I think Moody's had said that is likely to see Canary Wharf Investment Holdings revert to asset sales to help it repay some of its borrowings um, or see it refinance the estate. So I think the REIT had, it was 1.4 billion of debt due over the next couple of years. Um, and then obviously it was placed on review for further downgrade um, to the long-term corporate family rating. And yeah, so it's not it's not looking it's not looking positive. But I mean, the company's the company's got um, a three hundred million pound bond, which is also due for repayment in twenty twenty eight. So there's a few factors at play there. But Yikes. I think yeah yeah. All this talk of billions uh, reminds me it, it's also been a bit of a major week uh, for Pui and I and a traumatic week, hasn't it, Pui? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, of the the conclusion of a certain TV show in our lives, <laughs> yes. I was I was very glad we had had the bank holiday to digest the Absolutely. ending. I'm so still I'm still digesting, in fact. Well, Pui, and, Pui and I have been pre-grieving. Uh, the end of succession for 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 many weeks now since since the final season started, uh, and uh, yeah, this is this I mean this is the first Sunday in in ten weeks that we haven't had a new episode of Succession to look forward to the following day. So I mean, well, how, how are how are you bearing up? Uh, I'm just about just about processing that ending. To be honest, I don't know how to talk about it without giving too much away. No, but we, I mean, we, we, we won't go into too much detail. But, but no. there's one there's one thing from the final episode that I did, I did want to pick up because and we can bring Shantae in at this point because I know Shantae <laughs> hasn't watched Succession. But Shantae, um, what what do they call the end pieces of a of a loaf of sliced bread in your house? Do you have a, do you have a name know. for them? So for me, I'm, I'm, I've always brought up calling them the heels. Pui, but did you have a family the crusty, name for them? The crusty bits, the, crust, the, the, the ends. ends the, yeah. Well, the, the, the final, the final episode of Succession introduced uh, us to a to a, a wholly new phrase for for the end pieces of a, of a loaf of bread, which is nobbies. Uh, which <laughs> no. I, I, I think uh, I, I think for, for, from here on in that, that that will forevermore be what I call That's them. It. I think it has to be the, the, the <laughs> day yeah, of the not the ends gone. anymore. <laughs> but um, obviously, I couldn't let uh, succession come to an end without doing something to mark the occasion, and hopefully, something that will help prove cathartic uh, to Pui as well. So now, <laughs> ostensibly, succession may be a show about rich people being awful to each other helicopters, private jets, uh, immaculately scripted swearing, and family members backstabbing each other into a state of perpetual misery. But really, it's a show about real estate, isn't it, Pui? It's uh, from, the, from the glass-walled boardrooms of New York skyscrapers to stately British manors, Italian villas, Caribbean holiday homes, Scandinavian, Scandinavian mountaintop resorts, and private islands. The dazzling locations are a celebration 
of the finest the built environment has to offer across the globe. So to honour that real estate legacy of succession, I've put together a little quiz just to test Pui oh, no. on some of the property <laughs> details. So Shantae, oh, you, no. can, you can rest easy. By, by all means, feel free to throw in if you have any idea, uh, if, if Pui needs some help. But so Pui, five questions on succession-based okay. real estate. The you question one, way. do you know what real-life skyscraper plays home to Waystar Royco's offices? Oh, God. <laughs> I have I have no idea, but I'm just going to, to I don't know. No, I have no idea. I'm sorry. It, 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 there's no shame in not knowing. It is 28 Liberty Street, 28 okay. Liberty Street, which is in downtown Manhattan's financial district. It probably won't surprise you to learn. Okay. This one, you, I think you've got a better shot with this one. So real estate uh, on Fifth Avenue commands a high price, uh, as we all know. But how much did Connor Roy pay his dad's grieving widow, Marsha, to buy Logan's townhouse uh, in what has to be one of the quickest property deals of all time? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, this is going to this is going to kill me. Um, it, it, it's something like was it something like. Oh, I'm going to sound like such an idiot for saying this, like 60 million or something. Oh, that is so close. I think I'm going to give you the point. It's I think she maybe bartered him up to 63 million. Oh, uh, but I, can't, I can't remember the details, but you're so close. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. OK, so question three. We, we haven't actually seen it much uh, since uh, the early seasons. But do you know what the name of the Waystar Royco theme park is? Um... All I see, all I know is is when ATN refers to it as the Parks and Parks and Resorts Division. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh God! Um, I believe I think Tom was Tom was in charge of this. I think, yes, when, he was uh, oh, in God, the early he... days. Did I have a half remembered? Did 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 Roman like go and work there, or was it Greg? Or you know, oh yeah, so no, he definitely... did in a mascot, uh, yeah. suit, and then he he was sick in it. I think. Yeah, I that's, that's right, the yeah. very first episode. That's taking me back. <laughs> Yeah. I need to rewatch this. Um, um, any ideas? I. This is a tough quiz. I'll I'll, I'll give you it as a tough. Quiz. Well, because he was he was dressed as a beaver, wasn't he, or something like that? Or I don't know whether something it was like that. Yes. Something. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know. Um. Well, I, well, I, I'm tempted to like put a star on the end of it. If it's way star, then oh, it'll very good. Like... It does have a, it does have a star. Okay. It damn, is the bright... damn star. <laughs> It's the bright star, bright star oh, adventure. Oh, so Ooh. close. Okay. Okay. Right. So, living plus Pui uh, is a retirement living concept uh, announced by Kendall Roy that will offer a safe, secure community enriched with the integrated interactions with the cherished family of Waystar's movie and TV characters. You you would have remembered all of that. But how much does an AI deepfaked Logan Roy? posthumously declare the residential concept Living Plus will increase the earnings of the Parks Division. Oh, was this the very skillfully edited video? (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember the song um, (laughs) at all. Um, I I will just, I'll just take a random punt, uh, four billion. Uh, It's it's, it's more uh, kind of how much will it increase by, so what what sort of, what multiple? Oh, I see, Uh, uh, 30 times. Uh, he, he, he said he, he says it will he will it will double it, uh, but uh, oh, double thirty it. times would have uh, that might have raised even Your more. Your estimate eyebrows. sounded much better, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And okay. taking and it more finally, into corporate realism there. With the, yeah. And finally, to cross over from succession real estate into the real world, uh, which real life corporation has its own 
retirement living concept, oddly similar uh, to that cruise ships on land uh, idea offered by Living Plus, uh, which is called Story Living uh, and offers new neighbourhoods that are infused with the company's special brand of magic. Oh, good grief. I feel like this is something oh. that, well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to shoot my, oh, Shantae, you look like you might know. I mean, I don't know. I'm inferring from, <laughs> from the question, but you go for it. I'm just going to take a punt and guess it's a, one of the tech giants, uh, Meta. I'll go for Meta. Uh, Chantae, could, could you, who, who would have a special brand of magic I'm in their retirement living? going to guess Disney. It oh. is Disney. Remarkably, in the succession quiz, I think that's 1-1. One, one. Uh, between <laughs> Boy and Shante. So well done, Shante, on a show you've never watched. Fantastic. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to get a cancer sent out to to do an in-depth yes, report on story living. Uh, I think uh, all expenses paid, hopefully. Oh. Is the, the <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you're not totally in the clear, Shante. Uh, if for no other reason than to ensure that Tim has a, a reason to listen to this podcast, uh, <laughs> do you have do you have another earworm for our listeners uh, to be added to the Ooh. EG certified bangers playlist? Always, always. What should I go for this week? Um, okay, I'm going to go with TLC's No Scrubs. Ah, a classic. A classic. Absolute banger. A classic, absolute banger. 1999, great times, good vibes all round. It's a little bit sunny. I feel like that would work for a barbecue or, you know, a nice chill day at home. You can go for it either way. Any. Any song that contains a, a clearly worded definition of one of its key terms uh, is an absolute exactly. winner for me. Well, it turns <laughs> out not so clearly. I I got a little bit carried away because this is one of my go-to songs and uh, was saying with absolute certainty that I could sing all of the words word for word. Um, and this week, Tim actually called me on my bluff and tested me. And uh, I must say, I was not word perfect. I had, oh. I had the odd word or two that was not... <laughs> that was not exactly so, right. How dare you? But, yeah, uh, there are a few I would, in there. I would ask Pui, uh, who I know also has exquisite music taste, but but uh, she would probably just pick Kendall's rap uh, anytime <laughs> I asked her. So we, we, we can't put that on the players. So um, many thanks uh, to both of you. Uh, I'm off to defrost some nobbies, uh, just add special <laughs> cheese and a couple of face eggs for a hearty breakfast for a fit for a king. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with almost certainly fewer references to succession uh, for another episode of EG Like Sunday Morning. Mm-hmm.